that strives to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson. Thanks for joining us. And if you're listening to me on Apple or iTunes, would certainly appreciate a five-star rating and review. It really helps us out. Well, I'm 52 years old, and this is, by far, meaning 2020, the strangest year of my life. Uh, not knowing what the Lord's will is, of course, but <laughs> here's my will, uh, even though his be done, right? But here, my will is that I never experience a year this bizarre again. Um, really wish I could make that happen. And I think if you could summarize or even boil down this entire year, and, and no one thing can really do that, but I think the closest thing is not a phrase, it's not a slogan, I think it's an object. I think that would have to be uh, a mask. In a country in which we seem to find new ways every day to divide ourselves, we have now added a new delineation between mask wearers and non-mask wearers. And look, there are wacky, scary people on both sides of that. I mean... A woman wearing a mask who approaches a family eating together in a park without them and pepper sprays them. Or the guy not wearing a mask just like licking stuff in public in in order to show how immune he is. I I mean, uh, but what I would tell us is that we actually have been wearing masks, like it or not, for thousands of years. And everyone in this audience has and is, probably on some level. Masks are the emotional way that we hide our true selves from others. They, uh, they present a false front, just like any mask would do on Halloween, uh, that either we wish we had or we believe a front the world wants to see. We think the world wants to see that portrayed in order just to navigate through society in our life. And it all began with the first couple in Genesis 3, when they were initially tempted by the serpent to eat fruit from the tree that the one tree they were not supposed to eat from. Verse 7 says, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord said. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. 
Well, we all wear masks in the art world and church world. I know that the church part of that equation is easy to explain because in church we feel this duty to present the best version of ourselves all the time. But it also exists in the art world. And contrary to popular belief, they don't make us better artists. I think they make us diminished artists. So I want to spend the next few episodes exploring the whole idea of masks and how they need to be addressed in our lives. Today, we're going to specifically talk about where they come from. What are the sources? What causes us to reach for something that isn't us in order to display something to the world? Well, let me mention two sources of masks, and I'll talk about a third a little, a little later in this podcast. The first source of, uh, of wearing a mask, I think, is our wounds, wounds that we have sustained from other people. And strangely enough, and maybe not so strange, it's often the verbal wounds that stay longer than the physical ones. Uh, to prove it, um, if you went to almost any school outside of home, when you were on the playground, you were called something, and it probably rhymed. Amazing how those things stay with us. Things said by one kid in just a, in a, in a brief moment of carelessness. And it's as if we've been transported back to that place. And we know where we were when we heard it and who said it. But when we're wounded by someone, or if our trust is broken by someone who should know better, the pain is really deep. You know, entertainer Steve Harvey tells a story from his childhood. He, uh, he grew up in West Virginia. And as a, as a boy, he had a really bad stutter in his speech, which was only worsened when he was in front of a group of people. So one day, his teacher asked her students to write down on a piece of paper what they wanted to be when they grew up, what they wanted to be when, when they got older and established. And again, he's just a boy, but Harvey wrote that he wanted to be on television. So when his teacher reading the note and thinking that he was just trying to be a smart aleck, brought him up in front of the class and proceeded to ridicule him. Even to the point of pointing out that a kid who stuttered like he did would never be on TV. And she even pinned the note to his shirt that day so he could wear it around the school. I mean, talk about something that could injure a kid for life. Wounds like that especially from someone who should be watching out for us. It can really lead us very quickly to a false self. I mean, we immediately change who we are in order to avoid hearing words like that again. I mean, I, I know for me as a kid, I used self-deprecating humor as a defense mechanism when it came to my weight. Um, I felt like if I could make fun of myself first, I would sort of steal their thunder and be able to sort of control the burn, to use a forestry term. But I didn't realize I was actually harming myself through that mask. 
which really, I think, leads quite appropriately to the second source of the masks that we wear, not only our wounds, but secondly, our sins. So keep in mind that there is always a hiding element to sin. Most of the sin that we do is hidden from others. And then when we actually perform the act of sinning, it causes us to hide afterwards. We saw it in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve suddenly went, wait, wait, we don't have any clothes on. Isn't it interesting? They were instantly filled with shame. And they sewed together devices in order to cover themselves. And we have been hiding from each other emotionally ever since. I mean, relationships have forever been difficult things to start and maintain because of that moment. Now what happens is we all fear kind of the old phantom of the opera thing. And I don't mean the Broadway musical. I mean the old school black and white from the 20s, the silent film version of that, where Lon Chaney is suddenly unmasked and, uh, and you see this look of horror in Christine's face as she screams in sheer terror at what this man really looks like behind his covering. And this is how most of us think an unveiling of our true selves would end up. And so we do all that we can to avoid that. Then, of course, our sin makes us hide from God, which is exactly what Adam and Eve do in response. I mean, the setting has changed, but the pattern all these years has not. We sin, we are ashamed, we hide, and if it stays that way long enough, we end up separated. And then if that ends up there long enough, we start blaming others for the mess that we're in. Much like Adam and Eve did. Adam blamed his wife, Eve blamed the serpent. And we can end up wearing a mask of narcissism and self-loathing, which I did not think was a possible combination until about 10 years ago, but it's, it's here with us nonetheless. And you'll see folks with this mask of narcissism and self-loathing blaming everyone and not taking responsibility for their own pain and wounds and sins. And rather than lower the mask to reveal those things, or even the struggles that we're having, we just, we just blame. We blame our parents, our teachers, our church, our coach, our spouse, and maybe even the devil himself. This is when a mask is mistaken for an epidermis. You know, I found myself over the last couple of weeks almost getting used to wearing a mask. I mean, I'm still to that point. I got to remember to put it on when I'm going in the gas station or something. But I can now wear it for a while and almost forget I have it on. And just because we've been wearing the emotional, spiritual mask for a while doesn't mean it's God's design of who we are. Just because something is familiar doesn't make it right. And whatever angst or rage we feel from our wounds, which may even be justified, that we think makes us a better artist or creative person, I would just tell you it is just choking the life out of you and most likely sending you into addictive behaviors that will only destroy you and the people around you. These masks 
spiritually and emotionally, are not a source of freedom. They are a source of our demise. Coming this fall to the BBBBC. The same tent, the same contestants from all over the United Kingdom. Battle it out to see who is the best baker in Britain. Well, I can't believe I'm actually here. Well, this is the most exciting and scariest thing I've ever done. Thousands have applied, but only a few are chosen. But these seasoned British bakers are in for a surprise with this year's emphasis. American Fair Food. It's the Fair British Baking Show with carnies from actual American county fairs as the judges. Now see this week, we want you to make the best gravy possible. And what do we put the gravy on? On? Oh, you Brits are so cute with your accents and questions. No way our contestants are prepared for this. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm afraid this casserole is ruined. There's too much cheese and it's so heavy and there's no way it can be consumed. I tell you what, this may be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and tasted in my life. All new challenges. And what exactly is a funnel cake? Is it baked in a funnel? Here's a little tip. From here on out, anytime you see the word oven, substitute it with deep fryer. All new frustrations. You know what this caramel torque needs? Two words, cool whip, but only one can be the winner. And what exactly is this? Well, it's marzipan. Marzipan? I think I had mine removed when I was eight. This is bound to be an international incident. Let me just give you one piece of advice. A little spam goes a long, long way. It's the Fair British Baking Show only on the BBBBC, the Big British Baking Broadcasting Corporation. So we've talked about our wounds and our sins as sources for the masks that we wear. But I want to mention one more, and that involves the lies that we believe uh, about ourselves and sometimes about God too. But these lies may actually come as a result of the wounds and the sins of our life. And, and so they can sort of reinforce those original things and sort of tighten the mask around us. But Anytime we're wearing a mask, there is a lie involved. We've told ourselves something that's not true. 
Let me give you three lies that I think we often tell ourselves. The first lie is, I deserve. I mean, this really was the lie that Eve believed in the garden that allowed her to, or at least she felt, enabled her to eat the forbidden fruit. Uh, she believed the lie that God was sort of holding out on her. And the serpent told her, hey, you eat this, you're going to be just like him. He doesn't want any competition. And so she felt like she deserved it. It was almost her, her duty to treat herself in this way. And this leads to every kind of power grab that you can imagine. I once had a, a real telling moment with the Lord I didn't like where things were going in my life at one point, and I, I, I was so angry, and I just yelled, I don't deserve this. And the Holy Spirit broke in and just dropped this thought on me, just saying, Matt, would you just take a look at that word deserve and split it apart? Do you realize you are deserving me right now? I think ever since then, I've been very careful about that word deserve. Because as the really old Newsboy song says, when we don't get what we deserve, it's a really good thing. Here's the second lie. The second lie is, I'm defective. And some of us have heard this in one form or another. And if we have heard that, that, that we're not good enough, that we don't measure up, that we'll never amount to anything, it will not be difficult to believe this. Because we'll be tempted that God must agree. It must be his narrative. Especially when it's someone who's important in our life. We'll almost think that they're speaking on behalf of the Lord. And this leads to all kind of addiction and, and self-harm. Or even worse, another lie that we can believe is, I'm done. Obviously, this is really dangerous. In that we kind of give up. Now, True, it can certainly lead to suicidal thoughts and actions, but I would also say there are many, many more who end up quitting without looking like they're quitting. They still exist, but they've just stopped trying because they just figure it's, it's fruitless. So my creative friend, have you adopted this attitude? Have you convinced yourself that your creative work is meaningless? Have you believed the lie that even the Lord himself doesn't like what you're making? Maybe it's kept you from creating for a while. Oh, and there's a host of excuses. You're super busy and COVID and on and on you go. But maybe your mask is sort of this front of nobody gets me, so what's the use? I mean, you never say it, but your life conveys it that you're just kind of done and you're just sort of existing and you're just going through day to day. Here, here's why there's a, many reasons why this is so dangerous. But the problem is you will find yourself a new adventure, if not this one. And chances are the one you choose will not be healthy it will be very dangerous and risky and will probably do harm to yourself and others. All of these and more are lies that we 
either use as a mask or reinforces the mask that we already have on. And there is only one antidote for lies. The only way to start stripping off the mask, and that, of course, is truth. Truth is found in the Word of God and the presence of God. You see, only we can end the separation. If, if there's been separation between us and the Lord, it's not him who moved. It's me. We're the ones who end the separation because Jesus already did that on the cross. He ended all of that separation. Now there is, there is nothing to keep us from boldly approaching the throne of grace. Only we can end this stalemate because this was our choice. He's not the one with the problem. So what we need to do when events are not happening as we wish or, or if words were spoken over us, what we need to do is to take his advice and boldly approach him and go to him for the interpretation of events. We need to be able to say, Jesus, here's what so-and-so said. Here's what my supervisor said. Here's what a reviewer had to say. Here's what even a friend said. Is this true? Now, look, there's one thing that's just criticism for our work that we can improve. But I mean, just you as an individual. I am telling you, he is more than happy to give you the truth in that situation. He is more than happy to remind you of who you really are. We need to go to him for the interpretation of events and words. We need to put ourselves in his presence so he can show us what true relationship is because he does it better than anybody. We need to put ourselves in his word to remind us of how worth it we are to him. Let me, um, let me put it another way. The Bible tells us, in 1 Corinthians, that we have been bought with a price. Jesus laid down his life to save ours. He spilled his blood so that we could be rescued, healed, and whole. We are bought with a price. So here's my question to you this day. Who buys something that they don't like? You know, this past Sunday, my pastor was preaching about the lies that we tell ourselves as part of the spiritual warfare that we're in. The enemy is trying to get us to believe lies about ourselves and the Lord. And while he was speaking, he used that and gave me this question, who buys something they don't like? And Jesus bought you. I mean, if anything, we get into trouble for buying things because we like them too much or they're too expensive or we buy too many of them. Why would any of us think that Jesus would buy something he didn't like? So he must kind of love you. He must like you a heck of a lot. And I dare you to start with that truth in your life and see where it might take you. I dare you to believe this and hold on to it by faith with both hands and allow it to begin to demolish the wounds and sin patterns 
that we assumed would be with us forever. Who buys something they don't like? We have to demolish these lies that we believe for far too long. So let him help you remove the mask. He already knows what's underneath. And he loves it. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of the MacCast today. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you'd like more information about our books and resources, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.